Amen. Right on. So excited to be in this message. I've been thinking on it and praying about it for a few days. You know, we are made to do life better together. Uh, and that even means at a really deep level. I mean, you can go through your whole life being busy with people, being involved in things and still go home lonely. Uh, you, entertainment is not purpose. You know, we weren't created to just live a life that entertains us. You were created to have true meaning. We believe this, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. We're not just here to kill time and get through. Like God has equipped us to make a difference. And so the problem is when we uh, just fall into entertainment or we neglect the way that God created us to live, other things come in and try to take that place of purpose. So you see other groups come in and they say, no, this is the way we're supposed to do it. And this is the way we're supposed to do it. And we, that hole that people have in their heart, they try to fill with like the other things when God has designed us to be the, way, the, the, the light of the world. Amen. And I realize in church world, that all has gotten cliche and that's all gotten like a real churchy kind of thing. And you've just heard it and you have whatever. But if you could ever wake up one day, especially dads, and just realize that all of heaven is backing you today. You understand what I'm saying? All of heaven. It doesn't matter their agenda, this channel, that channel. If you wake up and your feet hit the ground and you realize it doesn't matter what your age is, God has a purpose for you today to make a difference. You're unstoppable. The scripture says about his church, us, the body, says the gates of hell will not prevail. Meaning there's no people group, there's no other thing, there's no nothing that can hold us back. Yeah. Are you with me? And so I get excited when I think about the potential of, of, of a group of people who love God and believe in the, the creator of the universe wanting to use us to do something incredible. Because to me, it's better than anything I've been a, part, been a part of. I've been a part of baseball games with walk-off home runs against the Yankees and we're chanting MVP and it's the like pinnacle of a sports moment. And then I walked home back to my car and it was over and the moment was done and there was really nothing to it. I, I've been in all of these different moments where you think, oh, if it could, you know, this is going to be what may, and, and they're all empty and flat. Are you with me? But I've been in God moments where I've seen people set free and restored in their life, put back on solid ground because they trust in a God. Are you with me? So none of that's my sermon, but I just felt like saying it. Uh, but today... I want to talk to you about something that happened to me a couple weeks ago when I was at a Dave Matthews concert. And you can judge me. That's fine. I already feel judged. I'm used to it. But Dave Matthews has been just a band that I, I follow as a hobby. Uh, they're a very unique band, uh, so much so in the sense, uh, and I'm not here to glorify them, um, but this is what makes them unique is they're a jam band, which means uh, every song has different solos led by different people. You're never going to get the same thing. And so like on a Friday night, I can go to their show and then they'll play at the same venue the next night. And if they play about 23 songs a night, uh, you'll only get like one or two repeats of the two nights. Now, if you went to Tim McGraw on Friday night and saw him the next night, uh, you'd get the same exact everything, same joke, same everything in the middle. It's like if you came to first service and second service, it's like, hey, don't amen that so loud, Melissa. <laughs> she was like... <laughs> So all of you Bruno Mars people, Justin Timberlake, you like all that fake canned choreographed stuff. This isn't for you. Um, these are real artists playing real musicians differently, even for like three hours. Taylor Swift, three hours, that's like a half a tour for her. The band does that in one night. 
Anyway, so it's become a hobby. I started going in 2001. I love how unique they are and would go with my brother. We just have hilarious memories. It's really just like the memories of it. Um, I had my brother and I, I was 17. He was 16 or I was 18. Anyway, I was 18. He was 16. We bought tickets to a show in Chicago. We just got in my car. We drove all the way over there. And I had no idea you had to be like 21 to buy a hotel. So now we're in Chicago with two nights worth of shows to watch and um, nowhere to stay. And so one night, a couple of brothers just cuddled in the back of a Ford Tempo and um, prayed to God that no one knocked on the window and wondered. And then we finally heard from somebody in Chicago. They said, oh, yeah, we, we know of a hotel that actually will get a room for minors. You can just assume what that hotel was like. We did it, but, uh, but we learned. One time, Jess and I, we went to another show in Chicago. That's probably my mistake, is Chicago. Uh, so we went there, and it was last minute, and uh, we weren't going to go, and then I just couldn't not give up the tickets. It was a two-night show at Wrigley Field. So we're like, we're going, and we didn't have kids at the time. And, and same thing, the Bears were playing. There was all these things in town, so there was no hotels um, in the area. It was just we couldn't get anything near the show. I said, it doesn't matter. We have an SUV. And we have an air mattress. And, um, you know, we're going to be busy all night long anyway. We don't really need a room. You know what I'm saying? It's just us. Okay, write this down. Father's Day sermon next year. Sex is okay as a Christian. And it's fun. I got next year's sermon for you guys. As my wife is laughing her pregnant belly off. I ain't lying. I'm not a hypocrite, you know? I'm just... Uh... So we're in Chicago. We got this air mattress and our two dogs. And so we, we said, uh, hey, let's just get a little bit out of Chicago, and uh, we'll just sleep in the car. You know, so not be a big deal. We got the dogs, and we'll just sleep in the car. So we find this church. First mistake, never trust a church. Amen. <laughs> so we, <clears throat> we park in the parking lot, and we'll just we'll sleep in the car and whatever. And so that happens, and, 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 and then in the morning... Uh, all of a sudden, we wake up, and there's just all this noise and people, and my car was, like, literally parked in the middle of the line for, like, the homeless food bank line. <laughs> so I'm like, we have to get out of the car. Like, I have to leave. And then I was like, well, I was sleeping in my car, so <laughs> probably, so just the best things happen. There's a whole bunch of stories I can't share with you, can share with you, but I, I, I just love the process doing it for 18 years, uh, there's a website uh, that they collect all your data of like all the shows you've been to, how many songs you've heard, the way you've heard them. I love everything about it. The way they jam, the lights, the music, the hippies that are there, the people, like they're so fun. I love the smiles of the people there at those shows. Um, all of it is great. But I'm at the show this last time in Detroit and talking, I've met friends from all over the country there it's just really become a thing. And before you judge me about going to 36 shows, because I've been to 36, just remember the time that I've put into this. I live, like I drive past Captain Sunday on my way home. Some of you have put that much time into Captain Sunday already this year. So don't judge me about what I do with my time. I see you there. So, <clears throat> so, so all these people, and, we're, and it's like a family reunion, and we all meet each other, and there's all these people we love to see and all this. And so we're, we're talking about, it's called the almanac, all the data of these shows you've seen. And so what happens on my chart is you can see when I was single and going with my brother, I'm going to a whole bunch of shows. And then you can see where I get married and have kids and it goes, pew, 
And the dude says to me, he's like, see, look at you. He's like, look at you here. He's like, look at you. The problem is, he's like, you got married and you have kids and you started a church. Look at you. What you did is you settled. Look at you. You've settled. That's why they call it settling down. And I was like, look, if there wasn't this many hippies here who are all about peace and love, we'd be having a thing right now. But these hippies don't take too kindly to this. But his true out of his heart of hearts was for me to be a man who provides for my family and raises kids and makes a difference in his community. He literally looked at me as somebody who he said is settled and settling down. It wasn't like a funny, oh, look at you settling down. He's like, look, there's another one that's lost it and fallen off and settled. That's not settling down. That's manning up. You know what I'm saying? Being somebody who says, oh, the games of sports and the bar and all the things that we use to say that we're a man or so, that's not it. The scripture says when they're talking to Jesus, the disciples come around and they say, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, tell us what would make us the greatest. What? Because like men do, they're all comparing themselves and see who's greater. So they say to Jesus in Luke 6, like, hey, who's the greatest? And he takes a kid and he goes, hey, see the one that has a heart for that little one over there? You see the one who loves and serves and gives his life to the least of these, that's who's the greatest. That's who mans up the most. Are you with me? And our culture is fascinated with this idea of leveling up or manning up because I believe it's the way that God called us to live. Uh, We see in sports, I started to notice it recently, where you tune into a game and they say, oh, what we see happening with LeBron or with whatever, he's performing at a level we've never seen before. Or they're accomplishing things at a level or at a high level that we've never seen before. Why? Because as a culture, they understand we like to tune into greatness. We like to pay attention to things that go from glory to glory to higher to higher. You'd never tune into a game and be like, all right, one o'clock, it's kickoff, and we're going to just watch a bunch of average people do average things in this average game. You'd be like turning it off, right? It's like a Sunday in Detroit. (laughs) I mean, they'd be like... Not this year. I have hope for this year. It should be okay. But, but, right? It doesn't do it. But what does do something on the inside of us, what does stir us, what does motivate us, is when you, when you see that person accomplish greatness, when you see that person who, who, who is average and does this thing and works hard and moves into something great, that's what moves us. Are you with me? I was reading an article about video games. And they say the number one thing required in creating a video game platform that will be successful is the ability to level up or to unlock achievements. Before, back in the day, it was like Mario, and you run them to the other side, you jump on a couple mushrooms or whatever, it's over, right? But now you play through these games in a way that you unlock and you level up and you undo. You all got Farmville. You know what I'm talking about, right? You got to earn your way up. Why? Because there's something in our culture that is drawn to more and leveling up and not settling. Nobody lays awake at night dreaming of being average. Are you with me? We're drawn to more and better. And and, and for today on Father's Day, there's something built in us to be people who step up and step in and man up. Are you with me? So I promised you that today I wasn't going to beat up men. And on Mother's Day, the women come in and we say, oh, you're so great. And we just love you. And we speak life into them. And dads come in and we're like, you dads, you're idiots and you can't do nothing. And, and it's true, but we're not going to do it today. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so today, here's what I do want us to do. As we hear data that is hard to hear 
about dads, and I share some things about the climate of fatherhood in America. I don't want us to hear this and be depressed or depleted. I want us to hear this and see it as opportunity. Uh, what Ray Lewis is a linebacker who used to play for the Baltimore Ravens. I believe he's Hall of Fame now, but he was known for his great speeches. And what teammates would say about Ray Lewis is he would get in the locker room and they would be getting thumped. They would be like, they're not coming back in this game. They're not going to win. And Ray would get in there and he would be like, man, they ain't nothing. We're we, we going to do this, man. They got that one time. They lucky. We're going to do this. We can. And it didn't matter where they were or what the data said. He just had this belief of like, we can do this thing. Are you with me? So that's kind of what I want to do this morning is I want to say, look, this is the data. This may be the scorecard, but I'm going to come in here and say like, we can get this thing. Are you with me? Especially to fathers. I know Andrew's with me. That's it, but it's all right. We'll be. Uh, here's the deal. As men, that's how we're created. We like to overcome the thing we shouldn't overcome. An example for me to you is this. This week, I changed out dirt bike tires. And a simple process, it's take the tire off, take the rubber off the tire, put a new tube in, put the new tire on. <laughs> the amount of things that I needed to make that a success, successful job was hilarious. I got my guys together. We couldn't get it off. So literally, my arsenal was like ridiculous things. It was a sawzall, a heat gun, baby powder, you know, my Glock 9. Like we just had things ready to get. But all of us as dudes, we were not leaving until we overcame that thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what we do as men. You hear the word problem. You're like, problem? Where's the problem? Let me look at it. Get out of my way. I'm going to. And that's what God created us to be. Are you, you're right, right? But that you were wired that way. But what the enemy does is he tries to get men to do the opposite of the way that we were wired. Hey, there's a problem over here. Oh, I see nothing. Busy over here with the things that entertain me. Oh, I got my job. I got my career. I got the stuff I want to do. Softball league, golf league, da, da, da. Instead of being the way and manning up and stepping in and being what God called us to do and go in and overcome. Amen. And so as we read this data, I want to encourage you, like, you are already wired. You are already equipped to step in and fix the problem and be the solution. Amen. Uh, I thought about it like this. We don't ever tell stories of average. We don't ever, like, gather up a people in the, in, the, in the lunchroom, like, hey, guys, gather around. You got to hear about this fishing trip. Caught a bunch of fish the way I usually catch them. It was great. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you about this hunting trip. Went in the thing, and they ate the bait, and I shot them. And... No, you're like, oh, I went out there, and the waves were the thing, and the Loch Ness was out there. And he asked for a tree fitty, and I didn't give it to him. And, and then, you know, all, and you got this, and you tell this huge story. Because why? Because we're drawn to the great and the next level and the leveling up. We're wired to man up. Are you with me? And so I think it's just how God wants us to work as fathers is to keep going and taking ground and not settling. That's why when you give yourselves to things that are outside of God, it doesn't satisfy. Because it doesn't level you up to where you're called to level up to. You could be 21 or 61, and you can experience that same emptiness of, I tried that, I thought it was going to be this, I thought it was going to be that, and now I look back on my life and see emptiness. Why? Because it was without God. Are you with me? It's time to man up in the way that God called us to. I uh, thought about this uh, in scripture. Like I mentioned, uh, he says, hey, the greatest of these is those who love these kids, who have a heart for the least of these. 
There's another time in scripture that it says, hey, how can I be great? Because again, the disciples, they like leveling up. They like to know about manning up. Another scripture is like, hey, who are the greatest? And then the scripture, he goes on, he says, the greatest of these are those who serve, who give their, it's not settling. It's not settling down. It's serving the least of these. Are you with me? That's what God calls the greatest. Here's some statistics we need to know about fatherhood in America. 40% of kids have no father in their home. 40% of kids have no father in their home. I don't have enough time to tell you the effects of what that is on children who don't have a father in their home, but I'm sure you can guess. But I'm grateful that God created a place like this called the body of Christ, where we can step in and be a father to the fatherless. Are you with me? We can step in and not settle down, but step up and man up and and help heal that. Amen. 41% of births are to unmarried women. 41% of births right off the bat are already facing an uphill battle. 13 million more women will attend church this morning in America than men. And that's not because the numbers are skewed, women to men in America. There's 13 million more women say, hey, this is important. This is a priority, even though God instructs men to be the head of the household and lead a family. It's not okay. We got to fix it, right? We got to step in and say, what's broken? What's this? Get out of the way. I'm going to fix this. Are you with me? 90% of American men believe in God. Five out of six men in America say that they're Christian, but only one out of those six actually attend church regularly. So the very thing that they need to be who God called them to be, they're leaving absent in their life. Is it because they have a belief system like the guy at the concert who says, oh, to go to church and to be a thing? Do do they have that mindset that says that's settling down, that's settling? Is that what's got into culture? Because we believe to be a man is to go to the bar and to have a truck and to shoot a gun. Are you with me? It's this narrative of just this to be a man is to be this thing. And But God says, hey, the greatest is if you serve and love the least of these. If you step in and love the world and pay attention to the kids. Are you with me? Listen to somebody. Grace towards somebody. Model how to extend forgiveness. Amen. The scariest statistic about men in church is of the demographic 18 years old to age 34. It's the largest generation America's ever seen, and they only make up 3% of the men who do go to church. So the largest generation America has ever seen, only 3% of them are connected to the church. And here's what's even worse about that age range is 18 to 34 is the age range where they're then starting their families and beginning to lead the way. What are they doing? They're busy. They're the concert guy. They're out there saying, it's more important that I do this and be involved in that and work at this instead of being like Jesus said, the greatest in loving the least of these. Amen. Children, uh, they say statistically, if a child is the reason that somebody, uh, a family's brought to church, so maybe a little kid signs up for VBS or uh, is invited by a friend to come to church, if a child is the reason that a family attends church, there's a 3% chance that that family will plug into the church and remain. If a mom is the reason that a family decides to go to church, there's a 17% chance that that family will plug into the church and the things of God. If a father mans up, not settles down, mans up and decides to lead his family, like the book of Joshua says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If he has that mindset, statistics are 93% chance that that family goes on to live for the ways of God. Why? Because God created men to lead their households in way of righteousness. Are you with me? Now, again, let's back up. I'm not beating on anybody. I'm just saying 
This is us being guys saying, let's, let's fix this. This is me being Ray Lewis saying, hey, we got this. They ain't nothing. We can go fix this. Are you with me? The Heritage Foundation says this about family's health. It says, if church involvement, that church involvement is the greatest factor in marital stability and marital happiness. If they have a couple who's plugged in and loves their church and serves in their church, the happiness and the stability of that marriage goes way up. Why? Because that's a husband who's manning up, not settling down. Are you with me? I don't like that guy anyway because he said the new album wasn't very good either. So he's an idiot. Tried to find him on Facebook. Need to talk to Scott Brooker about him. He'll find him. He's got connections. So the most powerful attribute I want you to know as a man is this. Not your job, not your career, not your education, not the car that you drive, not the athleticism that you have or used to have and the accomplishments you did in high school and in college. The greatest attribute you have as a man is your ability to shape your family for the things of God. Stop putting all of your passion and energy and emphasis in all of these things that are empty and void and start leading people in the ways of God. It's the greatest thing you were created to do. Amen. I always think about it this way. When you look at how bad culture is, you go, oh, it's a mess. People are calling right wrong and wrong right, and this whole thing's crazy, and IHOP is burgers now. Like, surely it's the end of the world. Uh, all of this stuff's a mess. How are we ever? But here's the thing about Scripture. Whenever it looked the darkest and the doomest, God always did the greatest. I'm not scared about the conditions of things. We just need some people to come together and, and, and make a difference right? And it can start with men. Winston Churchill says this, to each there comes their life in their lifetime, a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing. Unique to them, fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or under, unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. I just wonder in a day how many finest hours come along and we as men don't pay attention to them. We're so distracted by the things that really don't matter. Look, I'm all for sports. I'm all for activities. You know, I do all of those things, but I also live my life paying attention to God's finest hours in me. Are you with me? Uh, what I love about David, King David, uh, scripture says about David, uh, that he's got a heart like God. God looks down on David and he's like, that's my guy. If he's got to make a pick, if his MVP, he's like, David is my guy. But what's interesting about David is at times very sexually unpure, impure, uh, at times murdered people. Um, probably met that guy at the Dave show who said crazy things, you know, and he just had the sword there to handle it. Um, but, but all these wrong decisions were made. But God still looks down on him. He's like, hey, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's who I choose. And so when you look at David's life, there's this one theme that continues to jump out a lot. And it's how fully engaged David is in everything that gets put before him. Uh, you literally can watch his life, and we'll talk about Goliath in a moment. But there's other times in his life, obviously, you know, he's just a shepherd boy. But he fully handles the process of shepherding by taking care of the lion, the bear, all of the different things. You also see a time in his friendships as his best friend is leaving him. The scripture goes on to point out that when they left each other, it said that David wept more. Why would they need to say that he wept more? 
because it was a characteristic of David. He's fully engaged in everything he does. There is no sideline David. There is no go through the motion David. I believe that's why God looks down on him and says, like, I love that guy. He mans up every time. Amen. Amen. And so we know the story of David. He's told by his uh, dad, hey, go down to your brothers, bring him this meal. And so his first act of manning up was just simple obedience to somebody in front of him, a leader ahead of him. That's not settling down. Somebody's like, oh, the man, I'm going to get, no, no. Let's be obedient to the leadership that God has put in front of us. Amen. So he goes down, he shows up. The scripture says that David or Goliath shows up just after that. And he's insulting. As a matter of fact, literally what he's wearing, if you look it up, it said that his armor was made with scales to look like a snake to portray himself as the serpent, the devil. Also his measurements of his stuff was 666. Of course we know number of evil. And so he shows up and he's hurling insults and all this stuff. And one writer commentary says of David, he was not only there in present, but he was irritated that nobody was doing anything about it. He's coming down here with such a passion of like, oh, this thing, why is nobody? And then Goliath says, I'm here to defy the armies of Israel. I'm here to be against God. And David's like, I've got to get in this. Why? Because he's a guy, it's not settling down. He's manning up because he's wholeheartedly in everything that God's called him to do. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, uh, Mark Batterson wrote a book called uh, Play the Man. Really great book if you want to look into some of this stuff of the way that God created us to live as men. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. To act like men is for us to be men who are watchful, who stand firm in faith, who are strong. Not people that are like, oh, whatever, just got to get through the day, sun up. Miller time, sundown, you know, that's my day. No, God, God wants us to be this, watchful, stand firm, act like men who are strong. Are you with me? I love the version in the Living Bible. Uh, it says this, keep your eyes open for spiritual danger. Stand true to the Lord, act like men, be strong. There's a whole bunch of stuff in this world that's looking to take us out. And it says you in your day, you have to be conscious of spiritual danger. You can't just do whatever you feel and, and, and be with whoever you want to be with. You have to be aware. Are you with me? Yeah. And God has called us and equipped us to be able to do that. I thought about Adam and Eve. We know this. Mark Batterson uh, alludes to this in that book. So we know in Genesis that God creates the garden. And, uh, and so he says, Adam and Eve, uh, he creates Adam. And then he says, it's not good that man be alone. And so then he creates Eve from Adam's rib. And then from then on, women are always a pain in men's side. And then... Um, <laughs> It's Father's Day. I actually get to talk like that, or no, no, I don't. No. Just kidding. It's tr <laughs> my, she's taking place of my mom. My mom's not here. My, my dad is smart. He plans trips on Father's Day, so I can't talk about him. So I should do it anyway. But um, So anyway, I'm just playing. So he's created a rib, uh, you know, from a rib, Eve. They're meant to be alongside each other. And we see this story where God says, listen, you can eat of everything in the garden. You know, you can eat of everything except for that tree over there. Avoid that because when you eat of that, you'll surely die. Not surely die like we think where it just would keel over. It's surely die, meaning the process of death then begins in mankind. I believe that Adam and Eve would have lived forever. There was no death, right? But the process began. And so what's happening is Adam then understands if my wife who God sent me, participates in that thing, death will become her. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And in verse, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. One translation says that when she ate it, she turned and gave it to Adam, meaning he was standing right there when she was doing it. He stood there and watched her make a deathly decision. I hope it's not said about our lives as men that we sit back and we're right in close proximity to our kids and to our communities and to our wives, and we watch them make deathly decisions without jumping in with the word of God. He had the word of God that said, hey, don't do this thing. He could have very much stopped her and said, hey, remember what God says about this. We as men in our communities, we need to be able to jump in a little bit more and be like, hey, hey, that's going to kill you. Remember what God says about this. Are you with me? That's manning up. That's not settling down. Amen. He forfeited his role as a leader in that environment to somebody else. He left the decision up to somebody else. I hope as men, that's not what we're doing. Letting other people make the choices. Letting other people make the progress in our kids. Let other people, while we're busy with our careers and our clubs and our friends and our trucks. Are you with me? I thought about it in real life. I would never forfeit the opportunity of the first time with moments with my kids. There's no way ever I would let somebody else have the privilege of the first time bringing my son Charlie to the glory promised land of Michigan Stadium. I look forward to that opportunity of, hey, buddy, you remember that crappy place on the way here we went through called Lansing? Yeah, look at this. You can fit like eight of those stadiums in our stadium, but be nice to little brother. They're sensitive. They don't like it when you talk smack. I'm so out of time, but it's Father's Day, so I don't care. But hunting or fishing, you really going to go hire somebody to show your kid how to go out fishing for the first time or shooting a gun for the first time or go do that? No, you would never do that. So why as men do we leave it up to the Christian schools to lead our kids in the first time of the things of God? Why do we leave it up to the Sunday school teachers? We need to not settle down, not settle, but man up and lead. Amen. Uh, it's, not, it's not always choreographed. Everybody gets so caught up and like, oh, great. That means I'm going to have to have like house chapel and bring the kids around and give them a sermon. And, you know, I don't know what to, don't be weird about it. Just, just, just man up and lead in your values, in, in, in the things that are allowed in your home and correct, and, and just lead. Um, my uh, dirt bike track at my in-law's house, we were there the last couple of days. Uh, I was working on my dirt bike track. My dad just got a Kubota tractor, and, um, and so it took Charlie out there. And, you know, they, this is what they catch. Like your kids, they, they follow your lead no matter what. It's not in speech, it's in lead. Uh, my dad and I, we've been doing what men do around this new tractor. We've been walking around the tractor saying, yeah, it's nice, looks good, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Swear to God, Jessica tell you, what does Charlie say when he walks up to our tractor? Dad's tractor. Walks up to it and Charlie goes, yeah, it looks good, Dad. That's nice. <laughs> Swear to you. Every time he comes up to it. Why? Because he just saw how we do it. So... So anyway, I'm out on the tractor with my daughter, giving her a ride, and we're walking around the track. And it had rained a bunch the last couple of days. So I dug a hole on the side 
for the water to run into, just run off the track over into the thing, and so I can keep doing my stuff. We're driving along, and she's like, Daddy, what's, what's the hole for? Because we don't normally have that. She's like, Daddy, why's that hole? Why'd you make that hole over there? I said, honey, I said, that hole is where I'm going to bury the boys who are mean to you. <laughs> and I joke a lot with my kids, like, and she would, t- t- you know, so she looked at me, and like before she could say, ah, hi, Daddy, I put it in gear, I was like, mm, just stroke. <laughs> I promise half of your little boys that are her age right now are scared to death because she's up there telling them, like, Daddy dug holes to bury you. (laughs) And that's true, and it's true. Both of those things are true. (laughs) But why do I do that? Because I want her to know we got a standard in this house. We ain't letting no clowns around here. They're going to treat you right, or I already have places to bury them. I got people in this church who know how to kill people. And they'll take the fall. People are like, I haven't seen that guy in a minute. Yeah, he took the fall. It's a couple months ago. A couple months ago. Obviously, that's a playful way for me to say this. You do life with a standard in front of them. You man up in front of them. You don't teach them how to man up. It's not even so much taught as it is caught. Do you understand what I'm saying? So David, I'll close with this. David, one thing before he goes into battle is they tried to put Saul's armor on him, which wasn't fit for him. Essentially, he didn't earn it. He didn't work that process. He didn't, he didn't form that into his life. He was just trying to borrow somebody else's gift or skill. You understand what I'm saying? We got to go forge our own battles. We got to go earn our own muscle as men. When we man up, we can't depend on somebody else to go do it. I hate it when people go to churches and they say, well, I just wasn't being fed there. Well, guess what? Pastors are called shepherds. Have you ever seen a shepherd feed the sheep? Come here, sheepy sheep. I'm going to feed you now. He leads them to the places that they feed. And he protects them, right? He makes sure harm doesn't come on them, but he creates atmospheres where they go get on their own. And he says, don't go over there and don't be over here. And it's better when we're over here. And he leads them by the inspiration of God to places that they then can eat on their own. And that's what we got to be. We can't put on somebody else's armor. We can't depend on the worship team or the pastor or the men's group leader. We got to go out and we got to get it on our own. Amen. There's this model that I think we should all have in our mind when it comes to our standard of how we hold ourselves accountable to the ways of God. What if everybody in your house was as passionate about God as you are, as you are? If everyone in your house was as passionate for God as you are, would that be good enough for you? Or do we have a hypocritical standard? Oh, I want my kids to be this. And I put them in the Christian school and I put them in the thing and I make sure I do this. But then over here, your standard is whatever you want. I hope we're not hypocritical in that. I hope about the way that we serve. What if your family could only serve its community as much as you are willing to serve? Would that be a good enough standard for them? Or are we telling them, no, we got to serve and we got to love, but over here they don't see it. Our standard has to be raised and man up. Are you with me? And again, that's not a beat down. That's not me trying to come in and, and, and beat. I'm saying it's the Ray Lewis thing. They ain't nothing, guys. We can do this. We got this. It's the whole dirt bike tire thing. None of us are leaving here. I don't care what we got to do to this tire. We're accomplishing this thing. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning to the men. It's like, look, I know the data and I know the things, but guess what? We can get in here and we can do this thing. Amen. And then lastly, my last thought on this is this. The hard part about it is a little bit of what I just described. The haters come. The haters come and they hate because that's what haters do. 
They come along and they, and they try to get at you. Oh, look at you. You go to church and you serve and look at you. And oh my gosh, you give money to the church. Oh my gosh, I go, who are you crazy? And oh my gosh, you serve in kids ministry. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? You know what else you could be doing with that time? Do you know, don't, you, don't you got grass to mow? Don't you got all this other stuff to do? None of that matters when we know that 40% of homes don't have fathers in them. Let's step into these places of kids ministry and be a father, amen turning this into a jam band sermon. I just keep going and going. Okay, thanks. Um, but here's what I want you to know. The haters are going to come talk about you. It takes hard work and you have to ignore the haters. To get the fruit of the harvest, to get the result of the field that you're looking for in your family, you just have to keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. You know what I thought about? My mother-in-law was getting her hay baled off her field. It's hard work out there and it's dusty and it's idiotic because who does all that for a stupid horse? But they're out there doing that. There's no one coming along that field. Hey, great job baling this up and harvesting this field. It's like the way you really stacked that and put that on there. And No, you're out there grinding and grinding and grinding the harvest by yourself. And it's good that we're together and we cheer each other and all that kind of stuff. But it is hard work and it's a grind. Now, here's the problem with haters. While you're out there harvesting, the haters come alongside you with their opinions. They start talking about, well, this, look at you down there in that field doing it like this. Look at you doing it. You know why they can do that while you're down there harvesting? You know why they can walk and talk? Because they got no fruit in their harvest. They got nothing to go produce. They're not doing anything. Of course, they can come give commentary. They ain't got nothing going in their life. Don't listen to them. Amen. It's, it's manning up. It's, 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 man, it's not settling down. It's manning up. So I don't care where you come from, what your background is, even if you aren't in this room, but you're listening somehow, I'm telling you, it's time for us to man up, step up, step in to the things of God. Because all of those other things, the scripture, uh, I believe Solomon said, it, it's, like, it's like grasping at the wind. It's air. You can't catch it. It's empty. Amen. Let's step in and step up the way God created us to because God calls us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Amen.